Acts chapter 2. Uh, we know all the things are in Acts chapter 2. Uh, I will check the time. Verse 40, it says, With many other words did he testify, this is Peter, testifying and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation. Save yourself from this untoward generation. Do you know, we, we, we sometimes have that thought, and, uh, and, and all the time that have been in the Lord, People have turned around and they've uh, made the point, they said, oh, can things ever get any worse? And as time goes on, well, behold, they get worse. They do. But they started off worse because every generation has been an untoward generation. We just have to make sure we're saved from this one, okay? The word itself means uh, a warped generation or perverse it's crooked, it's untoward, it's, it's winding. It changes direction all the time. And you're never sure about what you ought to do. There's a lot of things in the scriptures that talk about uh, various generations. Uh, Proverbs 30, you can turn to it, but I'll start reading straight away. In Proverbs 30, and starting in verse 11, it says that there is a generation that curses their father and doesn't bless their mother. Verse 12, there's a generation that are pure in their own eyes, and yet they're not washed from their uh, filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes, and their eyelids are lifted up. You try to tell them anything, and they just roll their eyes. They're not really interested in what you've got to say. You know, they're haughty, they look down on people. And verse uh, uh, 14, there is a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. This is actually every generation. The scriptures are there talking about it. It actually means that there is actually a class of people. In every generation, these people exist and you and I have had to, uh, to deal with them. You know, uh, the, uh, uh, Peter's warning and encouragement when he said to save themselves was saying, this generation, he was saying to them, this generation that they were in at that time is going to cons conspire to keep you unsaved. You're going to need to do the things of salvation. Likewise, every generation has conspired to work against God's offer. And how do they do that? They try to keep God's witness out of people's lives. Now, the witness that's been provided for us, well, there's the Word of God and there's the Spirit of God. Throughout all of history, people have tried to keep the Word of God away from people. And even then, when people have found the Word of God, and they've, what does that mean? They've been denied access, as it were, to the Spirit of God. Because people are going to talk about other things. Oh, no, that's actually wrong. That's not for now. Oh, you've misinterpreted that. Trust me, I'll work this all out for you. This is what we want to keep us uh, distracted. He wants to keep us fixated as the scriptures talk about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. He wants to do those things. So in the early church, what did they have to put up with? They had to put up with people that were almost overwhelmingly religious. And whether that was Jewish or whether it was pagan. But it didn't all add up to being God's way. They had to put up with a situation where uh, religion was actually a strong arm of, local, of, of the government. We actually have to put up where things like uh, atheism is essentially state-sponsored. 
Or in some countries, other religions, they're state-sponsored. And you've got to put up with that. And all of those things actually keep people either fearful from exploring the things of God or confused about what they are supposed to be doing. Through every generation, there is the immorality. There is other things that distract people, the poverty, the disease. There's also the uh, thing was mentioned before about the philosophy and oppositions of science, falsely so-called. All the things that stop people and distract people and keep them confused. So there's still plenty of uh, confusing uh, religious messages. Let's go to uh, Psalm 78. I've only got a couple of scriptures here tonight. Psalm 78. And we've got to find how are we going to give an answer to this world about those who would oppose us, those who would confuse us, those who would unsettle us. In Psalm 78, we'll just read through a few verses here. Verse 1, it says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. It says, I'll open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. In the Amplified, you'll read about sayings that hold important truth. People have tried to take it out of people's vocabulary. But I'm going to tell you about them anyway. Which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children. Showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. Our situation here is part of how we do that. We do it for each other and then we've got the ammunition, the things to take and to tell people. It says, For he established a testimony in Jacob and he appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born and should arise and declare them to their children. God's intent was always that this would be generation upon generation. And what responsibility has he put on every single one of us? You teach these things. You rehearse these things. You memorize and then relate these things. When people come up with things in their life, tell them about the things that we know. Verse 7, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God. This untoward generation would have us to forget the works of God. Praise the Lord that we're here to remind each other. They want us to forget the works of God. It says, but keep his commandments. It says, it might not be as the fathers are stubborn, rebellious nation, and so on. First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. You know, we have to all deal with opposition. And we have to think about how will we deal with it? What answer do we give when we're going to be tried and when we're going to be tested? I've got a natural little example of this because sometimes you know, we, we, we might find the whole world tries to unsettle us, but it's often an individual who comes to us and, oh, they just really get under your skin and we really don't know how to answer them. Well, some people are really, really clever. I'm just going to relate a little story. It's not a, it's not, not a scripture one in particular. But it's actually about Mahatma Gandhi. He's a very, very bright man, Mahatma Gandhi. And he actually dealt with all sorts of prejudice in his life and various things. So I'll read it through. When Gandhi was studying law at the University College of London, a professor whose last name was Peters 
disliked him intensely and always displayed prejudice and animosity toward him. Also, because Gandhi never lowered his head when addressing him, which you're supposed to do, as he expected, there were always arguments and confrontations. One day, Mr. Peters was having his lunch in the dining room in the university, and Gandhi came along with his tray and sat next to the professor. The professor said, Mr. Gandhi, you do not understand. A pig and a bird do not sit together to eat. Gandhi looked at him as a parent would a rude child and calmly replied, you do not worry, professor, I'll fly away. <laughs> and he went and sat at another table. Mr. Peters, who was reddened with rage, decided to take revenge on the next text pa test paper. But Gandhi responded brilliantly to all the questions. Mr. Peters, unhappy and frustrated, asked Gandhi the following question. Mr. Gandhi, if you were walking down the street and found a package and within was a bag of wisdom and another bag with a lot of money, which one would you take? Without hesitating, Gandhi responded, the one with the money, of course. Mr. Peters, smiling sarcastically, said, well, in your place, wouldn't you have taken the wisdom, don't you think? Gandhi shrugged indifferently and just responded, each one takes what he doesn't have. <laughs> Mr. Peters, by this time, was uh, beside himself, and so great was his anger that he wrote on Gandhi's exam sheet the word idiot and gave it to Gandhi. Gandhi took the exam sheet and sat down at his desk trying very hard to remain calm while he contemplated his next move. A few minutes later, Gandhi got up, went to the professor and said to him, in a dignified but sarcastically polite tone, excuse me, Mr. Peters, you didn't give me a grade on my paper. You only signed it. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so sometimes we're going to think, this world is going to oppose us and we actually have to think up a response for every point of opposition, don't we? We actually have to know how to respond to the atheists of this world. We have to know how to respond to the religious of this world. We, know have to, we have to respond to those who believe that they've got the answers in science and so on, in philosophy. The actual answer was the one that led in to, to save yourself from this untoward generation, is how to get saved. That's the actual answer to all of those things. Actually, we'll, uh, just for, for time, we will skip uh, first, but just go to First Timothy chapter four. First Timothy chapter four. <clears throat> what I did have in First Peter chapter two, for all the things about the generations that have come, in verse 9 it says, but you're a chosen generation. And there's a lot more to that than just, oh, well, you happen to be part of this population at this time. There's actually the word, a chosen generation, is actually genos, to do with genes and so on. And it actually means you are kin. You are family. You are adopted, you've become relatives. You've become accepted in the family of God. 
We're a chosen generation. It goes on about a royal priesthood and a holy nation. I'm just happy that I'm family. What a great place to be in the kingdom of God. I'm part of the family. And the Lord's changed all of those other things. And he gives us the tools. He gives us the things that when the untoward come, we know how we're able to give a reply to them. Just in 1 Timothy chapter 4, and just in verse 16, we're told, well, take heed unto yourself. You might actually be your own worst enemy. Well, don't do that. Turn yourself around so you start from inside yourself, being towards the Lord, not untoward. It says, but take heed unto the self and to the doctrine. Continue in those, for in doing this, you'll both save yourself and then that hear you. So the encouragement from the scriptures, save yourself from this untoward generation and find someone to save with you along the way. Amen.